regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. Today, I have the privilege of talking with Nikki from the Bad Girls Gospel Podcast, which we will get into in a minute. I want to give you a little intro. Nikki is a divorced mother of two, a sexual health and wellness educator from Kentucky, and the host of the Bad Girls Gospel. Welcome, Nikki. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you. I am too. And I have to tell you, and I full disclosure to our audience, I, because we're moms and we're doing nonstop everything, I said to Nikki, I can't remember what we're doing on our podcast today. <laughs> and then when I went and looked you up, I was like, yay, we're talking about sex. It's my favorite subject. Yes, mine too. You know, which we're going to get into in a second. It's the number one issue in marriages. Yeah. Number one. Yeah. People don't want to talk about it. it, right? They say, they call it things like we've become roommates, mm-hmm. right? And that's just a euphemism for our intimate life is non-existent. Right. Before we get there, will you give us a little background about your first marriage, what happened, and where you guys are at today? Yeah, sure. So um, my now ex-husband and I met through a mutual friend that I dated. Um, (laughs) But everything happened with the friend's blessing, so it's fine. Um, In 2004, we dated for a year. We got engaged. We were engaged for a year, almost to the day. And then we got married. Um, And then, oh gosh, probably six months in to our marriage, I found out I was pregnant with our first son. Um, And so I was a super young mom. I got married when I was 20. And then um, he was born the December after my 21st birthday. So I spent my 21st birthday pregnant, which was super awesome. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then um, we had a gap and then I got pregnant with our youngest son, Henry. in 2013. Um, and then things just kind of went downhill after that. It, I think a severe lack of communication probably contributed a lot to our, um, the demise of our marriage. About what? Um, what were you not just talking about? Everything, everything. And I think a lot of it too was pressure from families. Um, we had both had really great corporate jobs and then his stepmom got sick and she pretty much called him and was like, you need to take over your dad's business. So he was gone all the time. I was the mom. I was the gardener. I was the laundry girl. I was the cook. I was the housekeeper. I did everything and worked a full-time job and was studying martial arts. And so it was like, I had six full-time jobs and only 24 hours a day to do it all. And he would come home from work and be like, well, why isn't dinner ready yet? And it's like, dude, are you kidding me right now? And, you know, 
and he would get mad about things at work and call and tell me, and I would like legitimately ask, how can I help? What do you want me to do about it? That's not the right answer. And things just would explode. And it just spiraled where I would, you know, try to talk to him. And he's like, I don't have time right now. And it was like, well, fine. Okay, then. And that went on for like two years. So it sounds like both of you were not getting your needs yeah. met. So what yeah. I always want to share is, because especially as women, and I know men are also pretty incredible, but as women and as moms, I think we're actually capable of doing so much. So like all yes. those things you just listed, we're all doing. And I think that if we were getting fulfilled in other areas, like emotionally, intimately, mm-hmm. sexually, and we were still doing all those things, we would be able to deal with those things in a different way. Right. And it wouldn't be, it wouldn't build resentment because like I can do all those things and I have a partner today who fulfills me in all those other areas. And so mm-hmm. even though I'm stressed and tired, I still feel connected and fulfilled. And I think that I hear that in your story. And I hear that a lot with women yeah. is that yes, we're doing so much, but were those other areas fulfilling for you guys? Were you getting the emotional? Um, no, <laughs> no, not at all. And so like on the weekends, a, a point of cont- things we argued about a lot was like on the weekends, like on a Saturday night, I'd be like, Hey, I'm, I'm going out. Like I need a break. And so I would go out with my girlfriends or like go over to a friend's house and like watch a movie and he'd be like but why aren't you home with us and I'm like because I and I worked from home and it's like I am home and if I'm not at home I'm at the grocery store or I'm at taekwondo I am so sick of these four walls yeah and I love you all but I can't miss you all if I don't go away for a few minutes like I need mama needs a break yeah (laughs) um so that would bring us up to July of last year. Um, and, and I don't know exactly what the breaking point was. It was just like another day. And I just remember calling my mom and being like, this is it. I can't do this anymore. I can't. I like, I was to the point where I was getting physically ill when his name showed up on my caller ID during my work day. I couldn't answer the phone because I was in the bathroom throwing up. And I was like, it shouldn't be like this. And she, you know, my mom was like, well, you know, try to talk to him. And I would, and he's like, I need you to stop playing the victim. Mm. It's not always about you. And I'm like, so okay, well, right now I need it to be about me. You were telling him that you were struggling. Like he, he knew yeah. that you, you communicated that. Yeah. And he didn't want to hear it. And, you know, we talk about it now and he's like, I should have listened. I'm really right. sorry. So we've kind Which of Which is such a that. benefit. It sounds like you guys yeah. have co-parenting because that you're able to say to each other, this is what happened and that he can take ownership that, I mean, that, that means a lot. Yeah. And, um, I remember going, you know, like my mom was like, you know, why don't you bring the boys over and let's talk about it and, you know, we'll help you however we can, um, which involved the kids and I moving back in with my parents at, I don't know any 30 something independent adult that wants to bring their kids and move back in with mom and dad, but it's been the best thing. Like the, I've been here, I, I, we were separated just a little over a year and being with my parents, especially with everything happening right now oh, right. has been an absolute godsend. It's kind of one of those, everything happens the way it does for a reason. And I feel like last year prepared me for 2020. <laughs> I bet. And how are you guys, how are you guys doing as co-parents right now? 
Um, so it has its struggles because we're of both very, <laughs> we're both pretty strong personalities. Like there's no sugarcoating it. Um, we co-parent really well, surprisingly, because we get there for a while. Like I couldn't, I didn't even want to breathe the same oxygen as him. That I didn't even want to be in the same zip code. I want everyone to know <laughs> like, that is a normal feeling to yeah. have going yeah. through the legal process of divorce is and so challenging and it, it doesn't is. stay and, that way. And I, what I always tell people, I'm like, divorce is hard. I don't care if you're, mine was like super cut and dry. We, I went to my lawyer with a list of like, and it was pretty simple. I want joint custody of my kids. I want my dog. I want my car. And I want the KitchenAid stand mixer. <laughs> that was what I wanted. And he didn't fight me on it. So, and he chose not to hire a lawyer. So our divorce was relatively inexpensive. We have to do, I don't know how it is in other states. We have to do a court mandated parenting class. Yep. We do that too. And actually and I did not want to go to it, but I did. And it was actually good I, because I learned something in there that was really helpful to what I do. You didn't sound like you had the same experience, but in there, no, the it, focus was about don't mess up your children. And that's what this was supposed to be. And so I was sort of excited because I kind of internalize everything. So when I get mad, nine times out of 10, my kids don't know. Right. Um, my ex-husband is not like that. If he's mad, he wants everybody to know. And he doesn't care who he tells, including our kids, which we've had discussions about and we are working on that. Yes. Um, <laughs> but the class was run by this guy who had been married for like 55 years. And he was talking about divorce. When you go through a divorce, you go almost through like a grieving process. And then there's me who's like, well, I left a note on the coffee table and packed up my stuff and moved out. Like, but, but my lawyer and I had that discussion about, she's like, I want you to be able to leave safely. And at the time he had such an anger problem. I was like, I don't know that I can do that. And she's like, okay, so here's how, I mean, we had a plan. Like you're going right. to write him a note. You're going to leave whatever stuff he is going to immediately want back from you. You're going to leave it there. That's You're smart. just going to leave. So, okay. Nikki, I want to know, how did you get to a place where you created the Bad Girls Gospel podcast? Because I'm so interested <laughs> in that. Tell me about that. Okay. So, um, so Nathan, my ex-husband and I got married when I was 20, right? So I didn't have a whole lot of time to sew my oats, if yes. you will. Yeah. So I had been moved out. All the paperwork had been filed, literally waiting out the 90 days. And I call my lawyer and I'm like, I need to kiss a boy. I need to kiss a man. What do I do? And she's like, um, there are dating apps you should. And I'm like, but is it like, is it okay? And she's like, honey, you are getting divorced. You have to take care of your needs, do what you need to do. And I literally had sex with anything with a pulse for like three months. Okay. Like I'm not even joking. Like from apps. Was it from apps? Yes. Yes. And I was just like, I mean, my parents were like, well, who are we going out with tonight? <laughs> like I had like a little index card. I had to like keep them straight. It was ridiculous. Um, but I met someone through Facebook dating. Um, and the really, so my, my thing about Facebook dating is I really like it because it tells you who you have mutual friends with. And so that's sort of a good jumping off point. Like, 
you know, you connect and you message and then it's like, oh, well, how do you know so-and-so? Right. And, so you, have, you have a new thing to talk about right, right away. Right. And um, so this guy and I connect and he was friends with my cousin. And I was like, how do you know Robbie? And he's like, oh, Robbie and I grew up together. We were like ran around and I'm like, okay, we have to have met at some point. Um, and so like, we talked for a little bit we went out to dinner and it was like, we had been best friends our entire lives. Like it was just like one of those perfect things. And, um, our paths had crossed a couple of times when we were younger and just kind of didn't really realize it. And then come to find out he was in the same divorce class as my ex-husband. So that was awesome. Um, he was in the process of going through a divorce also. And, you know, he kind of told me like, my divorce is going to be expensive. It's going to take a while. It's going to be ugly. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I mean, I'm not saying let's go get married. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> like let's have, I'm and really it was like my intention for that relationship was like, we were probably going to have sex and it was going to be someone to go have dinner with. That was it. I wasn't looking for like, a long-term monogamous relationship from him because he straight up told me he was like I'm not looking for that I don't want that well guess what that's what happened okay <laughs> and I used the, the phrase long-term really loosely because this was like October of last year and um so you know we we do like the typical things right like oh you know my company's having a new year's eve party you should come and oh my parents are going to be there and so we meet the parents and all that happens and then covid hits so at right? this time were you dating anybody else no on no, purpose no, it, well it was sort of like the other guys had sort of just like fizzled out yeah like because this one was, was special sort of, well, and I was kind of directing my attention towards him, right? Yes. Because he was giving me the attention and yeah. I'm like, okay, okay, let's, let's see where this goes. Right. And, um, we were sitting on his back porch and it was sort of right as things were starting to shut down and he is an old school radio DJ. So like when there were actual like radio studios, right. <laughs> and, um, we were talking, he's like, man, I really miss radio. And I was like, I mean, can't you like do like an internet radio station or something? He's like, yeah. And then I come over one day and I'm like, okay, so I did a thing and I've got a side hustle. And so I tell him about it. He's like, that would make like stories from your parties would make for an amazing podcast. Can you tell everybody what your side hustle is? So I am a consultant with Pure Romance, which sells bath and body care products, but also bedroom accessories. So like sex toys and lubricants. And the really great thing about Pure Romance is it's not sleazy. It's not like you're not going to show up to a party or a virtual event or whatever and just feel gross. Like you need a shower when you're done. We are educators. So we educate on like sexual health and wellness. And I'm going to tell you why you don't want to use a lubricant with sugar in it versus one that doesn't or how to use a vibrator or whatever. Like I'm going to educate you on to empower, right? Right. Well, and it's to help enhance your relationship too, right? right? So was so, it just for women? Was your parties just for women? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We sell products for men, but we're geared more towards women because, and this is sort of how the bad girls gospel got born, right? Like I was telling him, we were sitting on the back porch. I had gone over after it was like the last in-person party I did 
before like the world shut down. Yes. And I was like, I don't understand like why women don't talk about sex. I know. And he said, well, what do you mean? And I was like, so I'm at this party. These women all know each other, right? We all know each other. We all go to the same martial arts school. We all know each other. And we spend, if you've never studied martial arts, it's like hardcore, it's intense. And you spend a lot of time with these people and they become your second family. And I'm like, we, I spend so much time with these women. And the one thing they refuse to talk about is sex. I was like, why is this so like taboo? Taboo, Like men can talk about it. I mean, they talk about it at the grocery store, (laughs) but I can't talk about like that my vibrator died on me the other day. Like you don't, why don't we, we need to normalize this. And he's like, okay, so we're, so we're going to do a thing. And I was like, we are. He's like, you're going to host a podcast. You have to come up with a name for it. And I'm like, okay. I did not sign up for this. This is not what I agreed to. And he's like, I'm going to produce it. I will buy the equipment. I'll give you everything you need. You come up with the content. Okay. So our very first episode was on anal sex. (laughs) You know what? Why not? Why not just go for it? Right. And, and so like in hindsight, maybe that's not, you know, we should have maybe done like consent first and intimacy and foreplay and kind of built up to anal sex. But really it was sort of like, take the taboo out of it. The one thing nobody wants to talk about is anal sex. Yes. Nobody wants to talk about it, but everybody is curious about it. So So can we back up for a second? Yes. So as two divorced mothers, one of the reasons why I want the audience to understand why I have Nikki on here is because regardless of what your marriage was like and whether you did or did not have intimacy problems now post-divorce we're faced with the dating world and unless you're closing up shop at 40 or 50 or 30 which we hope to god you're not yes please don't do that that. (laughs) and it gets better right and you're going to be facing the dating world sex intimacy sex toys dating apps all of this so we're talking about it. So like you said, to normalize it, to take the taboo out and to discuss a lot of the things that I always want to say to clients and to listeners is for whatever reason in our twenties, when we're getting together with a partner to marry them, we don't discuss sexual appetite, chemistry. Mm-hmm. We just discuss like, what do you want to, what do you do for a living? Where are you from? How do you want to raise right. your kids? Right. And now after being through a marriage and getting through a divorce, you find out that this is a big topic and I want to make sure, right. I'm well matched with whoever's next. And so I want to empower them. So I have you on here to empower us. So I wanted to ask you about, so I've, you've got your podcast, you're putting yourself Mm -hmm. out there. What were people saying to you when they heard the first episode? So the first thing I heard, which really kind of threw me for a loop and it was from husbands of friends or boyfriends of friends was like you have the perfect radio voice and I'm like (laughs) I feel like I sound like a hillbilly from like the holler somewhere like but thank you thank you very much so my goal with this podcast and I say it probably 
a million times in the 20 episodes I've done so far is I want to make it relatable. I want people who are listening to feel like they're hanging out with like a sister or a girlfriend or somebody that they trust. Because while I am not the leading expert on sexuality, I am a woman, right? So check that one. I'm, I've had sex. I've had quite a few different sexual experiences. So when I talked to you and, and we always joked on the podcast that we sort of had areas of, and I'm using air quotes here, expertise, right? So, so um, does your boyfriend part slash partner, does he talk about his own experiences or is it just your Um, it was sort of a combined experience. A lot of times he was more there for, um, kind of giving a male perspective on it. Um, there were, there was one specific topic that he kind of had a little more, um, exposure to than I did. And so I actually led in with like, okay, you know, this is Evan's area that he knows more about this. So I'm going to let him take the lead. And so he sort of took that, that episode and ran with it. Um, and we, you know, we, when we talk about like, we did an episode on masturbation, like everybody masturbates. Okay. I don't care if you're like, no, I don't, you do stop. Like, and we need to be okay with talking about that. Right. Like, I don't care how you do it. If you do it in the shower, so nobody knows, or if you do it in bed or on the couch, like, I don't care, but that's some self, that's self-care. That would be, to me, that's like going to the doctor for an annual exam, Go, getting your teeth cleaned, getting your hair done. Like that is well, also, self-care. That's like, you know, we're raising care care of you. Ourself, right? We're single parents, whether we're well, together right. or not. And we need to honor the fact that we have needs. And right. that we're stressed out. And so right. what we always, what I find, and I love sex and I find, I still forget because I have ADD and I'm like Dory from Finding Nemo. Every <laughs> single time after a great experience, I say to my partner, why are we not doing this like all day long? All like, this would make right. me feel so much less stressed all day. Right. Like why can't in the middle of the day when I'm having a stroop? First of all, my husband lives in another state, so that would be very challenging, but even myself, like, right, like, so taking care of myself, and so what I want the listeners to understand is the reason why we're talking about this is because it will make us better parents if we're taking care of our needs. Right, and that, and I kind of, and I think that's where I hit that point, you know, after we had separated, I was waiting out. I was trying to be good and like, okay, well, I'm going to wait for the divorce. I wait, I would pause there. I like that you said this, because that's what I was wondering about the name of your podcast. And you just said I was trying to be good. So good from society's expectations. Is that what it is? Which is interesting because that's what you're breaking in your podcast. You're saying, oh yeah, right. Bad girl. But I want to make it really clear here. You actually don't think that we're bad girls if we like. No, no, not at all. So, and two, it was kind of a little tongue in cheek poking fun because there's another podcast called the bad girls Bible that's hosted by a man. And I listened, I listened to him for a very long time. And it just got to the point, I got to an episode about masturbation and I literally was like, I cannot listen to this guy anymore. I'm so sick of a man telling me 
how I'm supposed to have sex, how I'm supposed to experience pleasure, how I'm supposed to experience intimacy. Dude, you have a penis. You cannot tell me about my vagina. Yes. And so like sitting on Evan's back porch, like he's like, you know, let me listen to, to, I want to hear this guy. And so I play it and I'm like, I just, I can't, I can't listen to him anymore. And he's like, okay, well, you know, we, we're going to do this. And so we sat down to record and he was like, we have to have a name, just make something up. We can go back and edit it and change it if you don't like it. And so I led in with welcome to the bad girls gospel. It was the first thing that came to mind and it just sort of stuck. And so the little tagline is it's okay to be a bad girl, just be good at it. So we're, and it's, educating. My goal is to educate people. I want you to know about the sexual response cycle, because if you under, I mean, as tell us about that, tell us about that. Well, so we tend to, to kind of, um, overthink things a lot. And so I feel like if you understand how you were, how your body responds to sexual stimulus, you're going to enjoy it a little bit more, right? It's kind of like, if you, um, learning to bake a cake, right. Or your favorite dessert, you learn to make it, you kind of enjoy it just a little bit more because you've had an understanding in how it's made. And, and so confidence. that's right. Right. Um, and so that's, and that's why I loved the foreplay episode that we did, um, was because like, Evan was sitting there and then his friend Tyler would come and record with us sometimes too. And Tyler's like 21, never kissed a girl before at this point, like never owned a sex toy, had never been to a strip club. Like, and so like for his 21st birthday, we took him to a strip club. So he saw naked boobs in like in person for the very first time. And he, he stared at his feet the entire time. And then, um, like afterwards though, I was like, so what'd you think? He was like, it was kind of weird, but I'm glad it happened. (laughs) Like, but I mean, that's the thing. Like I just, and I remember like one of the first home parties I did, I had a woman ask me if she had a clitoris and I'm like, I was like, are you kidding? And of course I'm like trying to remain professional. Right. And I was like, um, I'm pretty sure you do. I was like, you know what? I'm going to draw you a picture. Somebody get me a piece of paper and I need a mirror. We were at, I was doing it at my friend's house and I'm like, okay, I want you to take this mirror and this picture that I've drawn you. I want you to go in the bathroom and find your clitoris. And she comes out a few minutes later. She's like, I have one. I have a clitoris. And her husband found me on Facebook and messaged me a few days later. He's like, I don't know what happened at that party, but thank you. I love that. And I think that should be your tagline. Husbands and partners will thank you. Right. I have a question for you. Wait, you keep going. No, keep keep going with that. Well, I was going to answer your, about the sexual response. Yes, go ahead. So um, if you've ever heard of the TV show, Masters of Sex, right? Yes, yes, yes. I love that show. Yeah. Okay. So Masters and Johnson and sort of wrote what is considered the gold standard for what the sexual response cycle is. Um, So it's got four phases. So the first one, well, and this is, so they have the gold standard. And then a little later on in the 60s, 
a female doctor whose name escapes me at the moment sort of rewrote the book on sexual response. And I really like her idea of it because what Masters and Johnson lacked was desire. Mm. If you don't have desire, you're not going to get aroused. Yes. Even if you don't realize it's there. Like I know sometimes for me, um, just a smell right so it's that whole sense memory thing like you smelled a you know you, in your case like your husband's cologne mm-hmm. or deodorant right. or you know I could be at the mall and walk by and someone will wear cologne and I'm like oh that smells familiar wait <laughs> oh I remember who smell can do that yes yes um so if you if you lack desire you're not going to get aroused it's just not going to happen so, um, desire is sort of your muscle tension increases, um, your heart rate quickens. I'm looking at notes here cause I know I'll, I'll miss something. Um, so a lot of times right here, especially on women on your chest, you'll notice it'll start to pink up a little bit. You kind of get increased blood flow to your chest because what's right below it, your nipples. So your nipples will become hard. Um, and then you get, I want to say flow. something to ladies. Yes. If you are in the dating world and you're communicating with a man or woman, whatever your preference, and your nipples are affected, it's because there's a real chemical bond right there. I didn't even know that was possible until I met my current partner. And I was like, you're doing things to me with your voice. Like, just right. (laughs) Right. Um, So then you get increased blood flow to your genitals. And that's when vaginal lubrication starts. So the whole like, oh, I'm wet kind right. of thing. Um, and then in a man, his testicles swell. Um, and then, so phase two is arousal. So that's all like, that's desire. We haven't even gotten to the good stuff yet. And all this amazing stuff is happening with our bodies. So things that, you know, the uh, blood flow, the redness, the pulse increase continues. Um, your clitoris will become really sensitive, your breathing heart rate and blood pressure increase. Um, And then you may even get muscle spasms in your feet and in your hands. And then your muscle tension increases. So now phase three is the good stuff. We have an orgasm. Um, So that's your involuntary. And really all an orgasm is, is an involuntary contraction of muscles Um, that's it. That's like the scientific definition of an orgasm is involuntary muscle contractions, your blood pressure, heart rate, breathing hit their peak. So the highest they're going to get during this whole encounter is going to be when you reach orgasm. Um, and then you're, you know, that panting and gasping because your body is trying to take in the oxygen to bring everything back to baseline. Um, you get muscle spasms in your feet when you have an orgasm. Really? I'll have to pay attention yes, next time. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Um, and then a sudden forceful release of sexual tension. Um, and women, your the muscles of your vagina contract and your uterus also will contract. So if you think about like when you're having a baby, it's that same muscle contraction. Also, um, during the arousal stage, your uterus actually pulls back into your abdominal cavity and your vagina lengthens. So normally the vagina is about two to three inches long. It lengthens up to like 12 to 15 inches. Wow. So your uterus and cervix will pull back to allow your vagina to lengthen. 
for a um, penis for a penis yes wow so that means you can you can accommodate many different sizes yes <laughs> absolutely absolutely um and then so also during orgasm um men ejaculate right and then you get a rash or what's called a sex flush so a lot of times it's going to happen again on your chest the backs of your arms, like where your triceps are across your shoulders, your face, especially, yeah, you get that flushed look like that, that I always call it the post O glow. You look beautiful. Right. It's like after you that's went for what a run. It's from. Yes. Yes. That's what it's from. Um, and then phase four is called resolution. And so that's when everything kind of comes back to baseline. My PSA I always give is if after this, you're still experiencing high blood pressure, um, anything like that, please, please, please talk to your doctor, <laughs> please, because you don't want to cause not any normal. No right, right, right. Um, but everything returns to normal. Your genitals go back to their normal color. The blood goes back where it's supposed to be. Um, and a lot of times people will talk about experiencing lightheadedness when they orgasm, it's because there is no blood going to your brain. It's going to your vagina. Wait, my favorite ever on earth description of what you just talked about is when Amy Schumer talks about, um, in like, I think her leather special, she mm-hmm. talks about holding a penis when it's really hard. And then as soon as mm-hmm. the man comes, she said, she feels like she's holding an ice cream cone that's melting at a fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's- I have a question for you because we're, we could talk sure. about it forever, but we have to wrap up soon. And I know you have to go to a party virtually. <laughs> Two questions and then I'll let you go. Okay. For any of us, man or woman, post-divorce that are looking to get back in the dating world that most likely will, God willing, be facing the sexual world. What uh-huh. do we need to know at this point or be aware of post-marriage, new sex life? Like, what do we want to like to be able to honor who we are because we don't want to mm-hmm. just do whatever we think someone else wants us to do. Right. But what do we want to pay attention to? Because it's 2020 and most of us have not been with another person for a very long time. Right. So the first thing I would say is it, don't feel societal pressure to, to, or not to go back into the dating game. When you're ready, do it. It might be two days after you leave. It might be two years. Whatever's right for you, just do it. And then also don't be afraid. And I know like when we're in our 20s, we tend to just kind of assume, if you will, the missionary position, right? Like that's just kind of the normal thing. As we get older, we kind of um, throw our inhibitions to the wayside. So at you know, at this point, I'm willing to do things that I would have never done when I was 20. So it's, and you're going to find people that you kind of match with sexually. Explore those fantasies. Like, okay, you, you want to be spanked and tied up by all means, let them know like, Hey, this was really great. How would you feel if maybe next time you know, if you could pull my hair and call me a bad girl or whatever, like being, but you have to be comfortable enough with yourself to ask for that. And don't be afraid to ask for what you want. You need to feel safe with the person, which is why my guidance for when I'm working with clients and they're at that place is to say to them, 
get to a place where you connect with them. Because like when you were talking about the yes. desire, the desire um, category mm-hmm. for me, and this is just me personally, I can't get there until I trust you. And so right. Right, I need to emotionally and mentally trust you. So that's going to take some time of like digging deep intimately to get to know someone who they are, because right. that makes it for me so much more attractive to open up. And the other thing that I have found extremely helpful is there's this five love languages theory. Yes, understand, I saw you posted that. Uh, what understand is how mine is physical touch, which if you know me is no huge surprise at yeah. all. Like mine I swear to God, I was a dog in a previous <laughs> life because like, I mean, like just pat my head, buy me some tacos and tell me I'm pretty and I will pretty much do anything you want me to do. Pick an episode on my podcast and I'll do it. (laughs) But, um, yeah. So understanding how you give and receive affection, don't let the word love like totally freak you out, but understand because people tend to give how they want to receive. So I, and to to men that I've dated who are not physical, like, so and Evan and I kind of made the decision several weeks ago to end our professional and our personal relationship. There were just things that needed to be handled that could yes. not be handled with yes. me in the picture. And that's fine. You know, we have um, remained very cordial. We're kind of doing the podcast handoff thing. So that's fine. So, um, and he you brought know, you now, here, which is such right, a cool place. Right. So, you know, I'm, back in the dating game, if you will. And so, you know, now knowing what I know that I didn't know a year ago, I know I, you know, I want to receive affection. I want you to hold my hand. I want you to brush my hair out of my face. And physical can also be, can also look like acts of service. I want you to hold the door open for me. Yes. But you know, know, I want you is to be able to say to a partner, these are the things that are important to me. And I don't want anyone to be afraid to use our voices anymore because we've already found out what happens when we don't, and it doesn't work out. So we might as well, because we're trying to do that in all the areas of our life as a parent, as a co-parent, as a individual in society. So why not do that with a partner? Well, and too, like with Evan, his love language, his top love language was acts of service. And so I knew that. So I knew if I wanted to show him affection, I could do little things, even though he griped about it. Like when I was at his house, if I noticed the trash can was full, I would take out the trash or like, you know, we were to the point where I was staying the night with him on the weekend. So I would get up early and clean the bathroom or like stuff that I knew he was putting off because he didn't have time to do it during the week. Um, and that was my way of showing him that I cared because that was one less, for him, that was one less thing he had to stress about. Um, so even though I don't receive affection as acts of service, I understanding how your partner yes. wants to receive it and kind of making concessions, if you will, because it's all about give and take. So just because I only, you know, I want to receive it as physical touch doesn't mean that I can't give affection by acts of service or, you know, gifts or quality time. Right. Or, or that you're not going to appreciate someone emptying your garbage. Right. Right. You will. <laughs> I mean, 
Right. No, I totally would love for someone to come do my laundry Please. for me. I mean, <laughs> or clean the bathtub. I mean, yes. if we could have that happen. That would be great. Can I but, ask you um, one thing before we go? Yes. Absolutely. How do, how do our listeners get in touch with you? How do they find you? So tell us where to find your podcast and the name of it so they can okay. put it in. So it's the bad girls gospel. So I'm on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, Podbean, and then we're on Instagram at the bad girls gospel. The the is really important. The is really important. I will put that in the episode notes. Yes. And then also um, Facebook under the same name. And then we also have a super cool phone line. I want to know about it. Yes. And so that actually comes now I have to find the number because I don't ever call myself. And what happens on this phone line? So it comes sometimes it comes directly to me if I have do not disturb turned off. So a lot of times if people call I'm going to answer and you ask questions, feedback, whatever. I mean, sure. Like I'm, but you know, my caveat is always, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a doctor. I will talk to you. Does anybody ever call you and ask for like sex, like a phone sex? No. (laughs) Remember in like the 1990s, the the MTV where she's like, oh dear. And it was like a man like cleaning the Um, but um, there's a voicemail attached to it also. So if I don't answer, you know, I, and I love, I'm such a people person. So if you want to call and tell me that I suck at talking about bondage or whatever, I mean, please come talk to me about what, you know, whatever, whatever. And like I said, we're kind of, I'm kind of in the revamp phase since I've lost, Evan had a really great recording studio at his house and I've sort of lost my unlimited access to that right now. So we're, I'm sort of going through a, what will the bad girls gospel look like going forward? So I'm on a brief um, fall hiatus, we'll call this an extended well, fall. You break. are going to trust the universe <laughs> because the universe is going to yes. have your back. I am so grateful yes. for you. I yes. want to thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. For any listeners who would like to go deeper into my story, check out my memoir, Seconds and Inches, available in paperback, audio, or digital.